Welcome to the Expanding Consciousness Podcast with your hosts, Michael Wally and Nicholas Hart. In this podcast, we explore ways to sharpen our awareness, make life more enjoyable, be a little kinder, become more authentic, less reactive, more present, and ultimately expand our consciousness. We're happy to have you along for the ride, and if you do enjoy these conversations, please leave a review or a comment as this goes a long way for us. Enough of the promotional talk and enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Today, a very interesting topic. We're talking about somatic therapies, basically just kind of the somatic approach to life in general, you could even say. So yeah, do you wanna kick us off, Nick, as far as like, what uh, what is somatic therapy? Somatic therapy is a very broad term. Um, and I have the feeling it has been developing in the last decade, especially, and making a transition from psychotherapy, which was there before as one big field, and then there was um, psychosomatics around, and then I have the feeling that somatic therapy sort of separated a bit away from, from psychotherapy, and um, from that, all these different modalities uh, emerged which people are reporting at least uh, are very effective modalities to deal with um, trauma. And trauma seems to be a, a very modern problem. Well, I mean, trauma is not a modern problem, but in modern times, we seem to accumulate more trauma. So there is more need for more tools um, to to deal with it. And yeah, I think it's it's worth discussing some of these modalities, how they can help people and just raise awareness of um, of what is out there and what can help people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess the way that I kind of look at somatic therapy in general is just it's, you know, versus say psychotherapy is you're really just focusing on the body. You know, it's a kind of an interesting divide between like, okay, is it more effective to focus on the mind? Is it more effective to focus on the body? I think one of the reasons somatic therapies are so effective is because we have a tendency to focus on the mind, right? And so it, it's sort of like the, the forgotten aspect of our experience and to bring it to the forefront of, of our awareness can just be very valuable in general. Uh, personally, I kind of feel like, you know, it, it's not really mind or body. So, so there's this, uh, title of this pretty good book, and it also kind of speaks volumes, just the title, and it's uh, The Body Keeps the Score. The idea behind a lot of somatic therapies is that the body is actually kind of where trauma is stored in a way, right? And by using somatic therapies, you can kind of loosen it up and, and get it to move and, and potentially process it, right? Um, then there's another camp as well that uh, I'll, I'll quote I'll paraphrase, uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett, the author of um, How Emotions are, are Made or How Emotions Are Created, a really, really good book, but, but she kind of refines uh, that, that quote about the body keeping a score. And she says that uh, the body is the scorecard and the mind keeps the score. You know, so that's more of the mental camp. And I, I probably find myself somewhere in between. I'd, I'd change it and I would say that the mind body keeps the score, right? Like the, it, it really, you know, I, I don't know if those separations are always helpful, hmm. right? I listened to the podcast where she was on, on Andrew Huberman. Yeah, like you, I'm, I'm not completely on her side, uh, probably also not completely on the side that thinks that every, that emotions only live uh, um, in the body. The truth probably lies somewhere um, in between, um, but why? May, maybe to maybe it's important to mention why we are talking about um, why we're bringing the body to the forefront when talking about trauma therapy is because um, we what we learned from research recently is that emotions live in the body, or to be a bit more precise, 
uh, emotions seem to be a key component of the of the nervous system or of the functioning of the nervous system and the nervous system you know extends beyond the brain so the brain is part of the nervous system but you know it extends through your whole body and it seems that the emotions are a communication layer between the nervous system aka your body and your mind so um, we're looking exactly at the connection of mind and body and um, this is where a lot of things can go wrong and that's why you know looking looking at um, emotions happening in in the brain seems to be sort of a limited view um you know perhaps that's chemically maybe correct that your experiencing of emotions does happen in the uh, in the brain only but certainly you know the initial signaling of emotions happens uh, in your body that's why i think it's um a good idea to look at emotions and emotional problems and trauma and so on through the lens of the body yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense and you're hitting on some really good points there one of the ways that i might sort of add a little bit more uh context or, or flavor to to what you're describing is that emotions are almost like an interpretation there you know we have this information sensory information, maybe contextual information as far as like what's what's going on, what what events are happening around you. And then the emotions, at least as we experience them from from my understanding, as you were saying, kind of happen in the brain. But I, I look at it as an interpretation of that information, right? Like, uh, so, so there's, you know, at least the way that we experience emotions, there might be a tendency to, to feel that emotions are kind of inherent in the situation that they're inherent the you know that that would be kind of described by saying something like well anyone in this situation going through that would feel the same thing you know would have the same emotions which you know uh to some degree makes sense but i i think also we recognize that that's not entirely true because they're you know people go through the same experiences and have you know, or go through the same events, I guess you could say, and have very different experiences of it, can have very different emotional reactions to it. And so there is some question of like, okay, where are emotions coming from? And it, I think it really is, um, you know, within my experience, pretty true that emotions are something that, that in a way we're creating. We're not consciously creating them, kind of unconsciously. And it is like this interpretation of like, say, for example, okay, I'm feeling some tension in my chest, maybe my hands are a little sweaty or something and this person's yelling at me. So maybe I interpret that as feeling like defensive or feeling scared or something, right? And I could potentially have a different experience by in interpreting it differently. So I, I think of like this anecdote of, um, say being like on a roller coaster or something and so and you're feeling scared and you can actually change your emotional experience by kind of influencing it by say repeating to yourself like i'm excited i'm excited i'm excited and, and that fear can actually kind of start to turn into excitement like it's, it's like we can kind of change the way that we're interpreting things um so yeah don't don't want to get off on too much of a tangent on, on that but want to get your thoughts around um to maybe give a bit more depth to, to that idea we could start to differentiate um, emotions uh, and separate them into emotions and feelings and uh, if you look at it uh, that way emotions are inherently coming from the body and there is theoretically nothing you can do about it except of well changing your circumstances but i don't know if you're scared at the moment and you're in a situation which you know it's correct to to be scared then you can you there's nothing you can do about that emotion except perhaps suppressing it but there's the emotion coming directly from your nervous system which um, all that it wants from you is to spring into action so right this is um, this is the tool of the body to um, get the system moving and either change the environment or, or do something about this feeling and the feeling of the emotion is already your interpretation which happens in your awareness and i think this is where we have some wiggle room so and this is also where we can influence our um our perception of of emotion so this what you're describing that um 
looking at a roller coaster and you know depending on interpretation the motion could be judged in one or the other way i think this happens kind of in the feeling part and that's a good thing to know that um the feeling part of emotions can be influenced and is under your control and in that sense you do have some control over your emotions although the, not the emotions themselves but rather your relationship to them hmm. yeah yeah I, I like that point of saying that you potentially have control over your relationship to them i, I think that that's a really important aspect to kind of look at just in general is you know when and, and this kind of uh, goes back a little bit to our, our episode on polyvagal theory is that your relationship, how you're responding to what's arising is telling something to your nervous system. It's telling your nervous system, you know, on, on a basic level that this is safe or this is not safe. You know, if you're feeling very polarized, very upset by something, you're going to be signaling to your nervous system that this is like, this is something that's dangerous. This is something that's going to, uh, you know, that needs to change. And, uh, and like you were saying, uh, emotion or, or feeling, you know, and I think those terms are, are a little bit muddy and, and hard to really pin down, but I like, I like what you did there. Um, but in any case, these are really motivating things, right? Like they're kind of from an evolutionary perspective. These are the things that made us get up and go and do something like discomfort is not necessarily like a bad thing. Anxiety is not necessarily a bad thing, but yeah. Um, in any case, I was thinking, you know, maybe let's get around to kind of uh, describing somatic therapy just in general, kind of getting a, a little bit of the lay of the land, of like, okay, we're, we're kind of getting into the emotional side of it. What What is like somatic therapy? What What are we really doing? And like, what does it kind of consist of? So so a couple of things that, that I've got on, on this topic is, you know, and a lot of this comes from, so just as a bit of background, a lot of it comes from Peter Levine, and he's he's the author of a couple of books on, on somatic experiencing. He's kind of the guy that, that introduced this modality in general. A lot of other modalities kind of sprung out of that, um, as well as there are some that probably grew up alongside. But from, from his somatic experiencing, uh, some of the main sort of aspects of it is first first and foremost, and we touched on this uh, in previous episodes, is this idea of resourcing. So essentially, in going through these processes, you're going to be dredging up some uncomfortable stuff. And originally, when you encountered those things, you couldn't maybe you got overwhelmed, you got overloaded, right? And so you couldn't necessarily handle it. And that's what kind of leads to some of maybe the suppression, right? And And the storing of things in the body. And so what resourcing is, is essentially developing ways to ground yourself, to kind of signal to the body that, okay, actually you're, you're safe right now. So if you're dredging up memories and stuff, you, that can be really uncomfortable and that can feel dangerous to the body. And so resourcing is like grounding, it's uh, feeling into your contact points, it's working with the breath, it's different things that you can do to help regulate the nervous system in spite of, you know, things coming up essentially mm -hmm. i think it's uh yeah maybe we should do just a little introduction and connection here to the idea of of trauma or to the idea of trauma through the polyvagal theory lens why do we need um to use the body at all and why do we need to use resourcing and all of these tools that divine developed at all is because um as we mentioned earlier the the trauma gets trapped in the body and just to get give like a really short i um idea of of why that happens is that if the nervous system is in overstimulation so in too much uh sympathetic stimuli if you want so and you reach kind of a red zone then well the body goes into um fight or flight um or fawn as well even though maybe is not super uh, important at the moment to look at but the other two are important so we have fight or fight or flight um, or freeze um, for that matter depending on what type you are and also maybe depending on on the situation but you know if you're in a really dangerous situation uh, those are the strategies um, the body knows to cope with uh, if, if we want to take the example of freeze um, well that means that uh, the situation is so dangerous that the best solution the body 
comes up with is basically shutting down, freezing your limbs, mentally the dissociating, if you want, so becoming catatonic um, as a means of survival. I, I guess originating from the strategy of, of playing dead. On another strategy would be, um, well, um, flight or fight. The body would release lots of adrenaline and really try to get out of the situation uh, immediately. In both cases, emotions are utilized to activate those states and really high loads of, uh, of emotions. And your mind or the rational part of your mind uh, is being shut down. Why? Because, you know, we don't need any analytical tools in, in situations of high danger, of accidents, of attackers, of predators in, in these kind of uh, situations, right? So the analytical mind is shut down. We don't need to um, think and we also don't need to necessarily process the emotions right now. We just need emotions to overdrive so that we spring into action. And when the situation is over and the nervous system is in a more parasympathetic state, then we can usually deal with those. However, um, I think that nature has mechanisms to to um, deal with the aftermath of traumatic situations, of these kind of situations. But for some reason, you know, they don't really work in humans anymore or we don't know how to utilize them or we just don't go back and ever deal with traumatic situations. Um, but we know from animals, for example, that there's this mechanism of shaking, um, which seems to be very effective getting rid of the excess energy and uh, unprocessed emotions from the body. Now, we actually know that this mechanism is also present in uh, uh, for humans. And this is what uh, trauma release exercise is built on. But maybe that's, that's another kind of... Um, tangent which we can go into a bit later i just want to make that um connection between like trauma body and um now resulting in a situation where you perhaps had a traumatic um uh, experience and you have now some pent up and undealt with emotions stuck in your body and this is creating you know, all sorts of side effects for you in your life right so these these are like pathologically um, creating these all I don't know it, it can create all kind of problems in your life maybe chronic pain maybe uh, I don't know migraines maybe concentration problems maybe um, PTSD like I think all these illnesses if you want so could be related um, to trauma and this is when people usually seek out help of a somatic therapist um, or I would say they are lucky if they seek the somatic, somatic therapist and not only a psychotherapist because um, they can approach the, uh, the problem from the body lens, if you want so. Sorry, I went on a really long tangent uh, <laughs> to, to kind of clarify stuff here. But yeah, maybe taking the situation, now we have somebody who, who deals with uh, trauma and wants help uh, through somatic therapy. Um, what else is there except of resource, resourcing? Yeah, yeah. So, so let me kind of just tie tie what you said there back to resourcing. So you could say that resourcing is basically techniques to get your nervous system back into a regulated state, and and these survival responses are sort of dysregulated states. You know, they're they're meaningful, they're purposeful, but they're dysregulated in the sense that you know if you're sitting in therapy and you're going into fight or flight, you're not going to be able to make a lot of meaningful progress at that time. So that's when resourcing becomes like really important. Um, as far as like what what this type of therapy looks like, I, I guess is the place to go with it right now, um, is essentially you're kind of feeling into the body. So you're, you're developing a greater awareness of what's happening in the body. And that might sound like kind of trivial or or mundane in a sense, like I, I know what's going on in my body, you know, I, I can feel. But in in reality, there are a lot of things that we are just like not very consciously aware of. So just as an example, like awareness of your heartbeat. Um, are you currently aware of your heartbeat right now? Uh, I notice I'm not, not so much aware of it. If I focus in on it, I can kind of start to get a sense of it. You know, if I feel from my pulse, I can I can feel it a little bit better, of course. Um, but it's not something that I'm like consciously aware of most of the time, but it is something that I have the capacity to be aware of. So 
some, some of what somatic therapy is really doing is honing our capacity to be aware of what's happening within our body because we've developed sort of these automatic responses to say like chest tightening and we automatically like, oh, well, that's, that's anxiety and, and I need to do something about it, right? When what somatic therapy is kind of saying is like, okay, let's, let's become more comfortable with the sensations that can occur in the body so that we can stay in a more regulated state when those things happen so that we can kind of have our, our executive functioning accessible and you know, within the context of therapy, be able to make meaningful progress. Do you have experience with uh, somatic experience? Like, did you have sessions before with a therapist? No, no, I, I haven't actually gone through sessions with a therapist. I've read a number of books on it. So I, I've listened to some sessions. I've kind of just, most of my stuff, honestly, to, to be entirely honest here is DIY, right? Like I read a lot about it and then I just kind of practice it on my own. Most of the time, it's not like professionally informed. So mm -hmm. that's that's kind of just like a call out in general, like, hey, don't don't just listen to us, you know, do your own research and, and potentially seek out a, a therapist, um, you know. DIY route is is for for me it's been pretty effective if you have like really really deep trauma which I don't, don't really think I do I mean there might be stuff in there um then then it maybe makes sense to to seek out a professional uh, mm -hmm. in, in those situations there is uh, at least some uh, sessions also from Peter Levine recorded and uh, you can access them uh, on YouTube if you want to see how it uh, how it looks but so he developed kind of a couple of techniques, if you want so, or resources to be used to approach the body and create this uh, awareness, which you, uh, which you described. And usually they would use titration, which, and you can correct me uh, if I'm wrong there, but I think it just means that taking, kind of approaching the states that are difficult for the nervous system in small bits and then backing away and then coming at it later, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that really is titration and and pendulation. So the titration is sort of gradual exposure to to say the the trauma or, or the offending you know sensations, whatever it is. And uh, pendulation is that m movement of your awareness, movement of your focus between sort of the discomfort and on the other hand between whatever feels safe. Uh, often, like contact points, you know, feeling into the seat that you're sitting in feeling that that feeling of support and then you move back and it's like okay now I'm I'm looking back at that difficult emotion I'm looking back at that difficult situation seeing what's happening in my body and then if I start to become overwhelmed I'm shifting my focus back to those those points of safety mm -hmm. so what we can expect from somatic therapy uh, either applied by yourself when reading about the resources from Peter Levine or when when using uh, with a psychotherapist is um, generating more of that body awareness, learning how to bring your awareness back to your body in the sense that trauma, uh, especially in the case of PTSD or CPTSD, can lead to severe dissociation from the body. Um, so that might be people who are living a lot in the head because having full awareness of their body would be unbearable for, for a lot of people. Um, on, on the one hand, learning to focus at all or bring awareness to your body. And on the other hand, have tools at hand to deal with perhaps difficult or challenging uh, emotions that will come up because uh, trauma, uh, traumatic emotions were pushed out of awareness because they were difficult to deal with. So, you know, and if you if the trauma is older, um, you have pushed it away for a long time and therefore you have a lot of uh, adversity uh, against feeling them. So it's definitely important for you to have either tools or a partner um, to be there with you when, when experiencing those. Um, But why why this is uh, so effective and and why uh, I think it's it's really good approach and there's some critique um, against the somatic therapy that uh, it is like too fast paced that it is um, dangerous uh, for some people but if if we look at um, trauma being an emotional problem emotions can not really um, harm you so 
you know processing uh, emotions in in that sense is is not um, is not dangerous. I think what might be dangerous and what could lead to re-traumatization uh, would be if the related emotions trigger the story again and then people go back to the story of where they have been traumatized and get stuck there and don't finish the the processing. That might be um, dangerous in that sense, um, which is why there's why there's exactly tools for for that uh, not to happen. But yeah, I'm interested. What is your stance on 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 that do you think there's some some dangers in these methods at all yeah yeah I, I think that's a really good question um i i think if you're using any of of so many of the tools that we've taught talked about kind of just willy-nilly and and kind of just you know with with reckless abandon that yeah there's a possibility of putting yourself into like a highly dysregulated state and then it, it's this question of like how you relate to that when you're feeling like uh, emotional or feeling pressure that, that is potentially motivating you to do things and you know we've got the mind going as well that's when you know issues of potential self-harm and and those things come up i mean like you were saying the emotion itself is not really like a harmful thing it's the harm comes in really in the way that you respond to it right that you might have dysfunctional ways of responding to it so I, I would say that, yeah, like, like anything else, there is, um, you know, a, a good reason to proceed with, with some degree of caution, right? And, and I would say um, really the, the antidote to so much of, of, you know, the potential downsides is a matter of awareness, right? Like if you're just pushing through it, like just very headstrong, pushing through, trying to just get rid of all of your trauma, you're probably going to have a bad time, right? Essentially, you're kind of telling your body, you're reinforcing to your body that this trauma is dangerous, first of all, because you're trying really hard to make it stop. It's kind of this, this paradoxical aside that we might be able to, to get into, but I'll, I'll leave it alone for now. Um, but I, I think that there is that, that possibility of, of putting yourself into a highly dysregulated state where you almost can't get out of it. I mean, sort of like dark night of the soul, similar, similar potential issues to um, you know, something like uh, Kundalini Yoga or something where people start going through through heavy stuff and, and get kind of stuck in a sense in these places. But but really, when you're getting stuck, you're you're still holding the key. And the key at that point is really just almost relaxing in response to discomfort, which is not something that we're normally doing, right? Normally, in, in response to discomfort, we, we tense up, we try not to feel it, we try to make whatever seems to be the apparent source of that discomfort stop, mm -hmm. right? And, and somatic therapy is almost like, can you coexist with discomfort? Can you relax in the, in the face of discomfort? And it, it kind of comes back to this idea that we've mentioned before of affect tolerance. Like, are you able to, you know, at, at the most basic level, tolerate any sensations that can happen in the body, tolerate anything that, that might arise in that sense. Uh, and, you know, at, at the more skillful side of that, can you even accept it or, or welcome it? Mm -hmm. I, I think when working with the body and with the awareness of emotions uh, inside the body, uh, these things are actually very fluid. So uh, on con contrary to when looking or examining trauma to, through the mind. So, uh, for example, talk therapy and these other modalities or cognitive behavioral therapy, where you go back to an event and perhaps try to reframe it or um, just by working through it, perhaps on some level, re-experiencing it, um, changing your relationship to it. While I think that, that those can work, um, the mechanism is a very different one when you approach it from the body and if you if you stay during the entire process um of going through these emotions again in the body I, I there's actually from your body at least there's no tendency to get stuck it's uh, what what is happening is this innate natural processing of the emotion of the emotion which we are all capable of and which is actually natural to us however due to circumstances, um, we were not able to process it uh, in the moment. But basically, like on a theoretical level, I know that this is in some practice, but on a theoretical level, all you need to do is 
stay in the body. And then what happens sometimes is that your mind and the story behind the trauma gets triggered in those emotions. And then you start thinking about uh, these things again. And I think this is then where you can get into these highly dysregulated states. And this is kind of the dangerous, let's say dangerous uh, bit and where it's helpful to have somebody remind you to go back into your body and stay just with the with the feeling of the of the difficult emotions because as long as you stay there with your awareness the process is automatic and um you you know it's it's you're not bound to get stuck but it will get done uh in a natural flow so to speak yeah yeah i, I really like a number of things you said there first of all that that the process is automatic which I, i'm sure you know uh, initially i kind of cringe at that idea but i also i also really agree that there's not really a lot of doing it's really the doing that's kind of getting in the way of, of processing trauma it, it's really just witnessing that that we need to do there's not a whole lot to um actually kind of like push on it doesn't require a lot of of um efforting i guess you could say so so i really appreciate you bringing that side up and also around this idea of kind of getting stuck uh, i'll kind of work with that a little bit in terms of you know what is it that's really getting us stuck and, and i think you, you really you hit on it well as far as mentioning you know emotion can occur something can happen in the body and the, then the mind starts and these stories start i think it's a matter of a, a attachment and aversion that really gets us stuck and in, in a way those thoughts those stories are so much more personal we're so much more attached to that and in a way the sensations that are happening in the body are almost impersonal we don't have very strong opinions about it i mean we might feel like i don't i don't want to feel that way you know but for the most part it's not something that we identify with whereas those stories those stories in the mind we're so tightly identified with them we don't want to let them go we don't want to let them change even if maybe it seems like we do right with as far as like the the sensations and and maybe to some degree the emotions uh were were more capable of letting them go of letting them change and it, it really is in that kind of moment to moment fluidity that that what we're kind of trying to aim at right then so fluidity of thought can be very difficult because we get caught on certain thoughts fluidity of of emotions you know again kind of especially if those emotions are associated with thoughts uh, it can be a little bit rocky fluidity on, on the level of body of just noticing what's happening in the body as long as there aren't stories attached it, it tends to just move like if for example if you're you know kind of going through a bit of a, a somatic experiencing session and you're focusing on on some discomfort in the body there's a tendency for it to change pretty pretty quickly you know within a minute or less it's going to move and similarly if you allow what's happening in the body to move the emotions will tend to move as well and and then consequently the, the thoughts can start to shift as well again it's sort of a question of how tightly coupled you are how strongly identified you are with any of those levels that i think really uh leads to getting stuck yeah attachment is a good keyword there um with attachment i mean there, there's also like secondary attachment because if you had had some traumatic event an emotion you don't want to deal with now you have been living with it for a couple of years now there's also this layer of you being attached to living in this negative emotion that is resulting from not uh, resolving the original trauma um that's at least my experience that that emotions are in some sense layered so it is it works usually like that um and, and in these sessions it works like that that um you experience one emotion and then right below that emotion you know, you release another one. It seems that they are somehow chained in, in some sense. Um, but the, the cool thing is that usually, um, so you have one emotion, you go through it at the bottom, you break through into another emotion. But the cool thing is that usually at the end, you break through into some positive emotions. Because um, in uh, if, if we hold on to negative emotions, which is, kind of what is happening uh, in your body if, if trauma is, is not released. Um, you're also blocking access to what we would call positive emotions, right? So I, I had it often that I was doing some somatic experiencing and I, I feel 
I don't know, I'm dealing with, for example, shame or guilt or something like that. I'm able to process it. I'm able to go through it. And at the bottom of that is gratitude or, you know, or just, I don't know, love for somebody, uh, things like that. So um, th that's important to know that sometimes by holding, by having attachment to negative emotions, we also close our access to some, to their negative counterparts, um, if, if you want so. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd say, you know, attachment and aversion are really two sides of the, the same coin, right? Because you mentioned like attachment to negative emotions, which I, I totally understand. Some people might be like, well, I'm not attached to, to negative emotions. I, I don't want to have those. But but even aversion is, is in a sense, uh, attachment. So it, it really is kind of polarization towards these emotions. And I also really like what you're saying about the layering. I've, I've also personally found that to be true, that you're working with something that's kind of on the surface. Once you've moved through that, you know, there, there might be more emotions underneath that. For me, usually it, it's something like anxiety. And then underneath the anxiety, there might be like some anger. Then there might be some sadness. There might be some fear underneath that. And then, like you were saying, underneath all of these things, um, Almost paradoxically and sometimes surprisingly, we find you know those positive emotions that we are looking for. And so I'm going to you know throw in a, a quote here that maybe I've I've thrown out before, but it's it's a good one. So it's from uh, the, this coach guy named Joe Hudson, big fan of him. Uh, uh, Art of Accomplishment podcast, uh, give it a check. It's very good stuff. Um, but his his quote is basically that joy is the matriarch of emotions. And if you do not let her children in, then she will not come in, right? So another way of putting that is like, you know, joy, joy is on top, right? And you have all these other emotions, including what we're calling the negative emotions. And if you don't let those negative emotions in, you're not going to be able to feel that joy at, at some point either, right? It's almost another thing that Joe Hudson says that I think is very, um, very insightful just in general is as far as negative emotions go, what we're feeling is often more the resistance to the emotion than the emotion itself. Oftentimes, if we're just feeling the emotion, it moves fairly quickly and it's not usually as bad as we make it out to be. Really what, what is so uncomfortable is resisting those emotions. And it's not something that we're generally consciously doing. It's something that we've kind of developed as, as a strategy, you know, a, at some point, it might have been a very useful strategy for our survival, right? Generally in childhood and these, you know, trauma inducing situations. But that strategy is no longer useful, but it's still kind of uh, running in the background, right? And so bringing that to the foreground through these practices, through, you know, developing greater interoception, developing greater self awareness, you can start to have some, some semblance of control. Um, and maybe maybe control is a bit of a dirty word in the context of what we talk about, but you can have a little bit more agency, we'll say. And you can have a bit more um, freedom and fluidity because that's what it feels like when you get to release some of these emotions. I think that, so for me, something I wasn't aware of before was that uh, the body actually needs a tremendous amount of energy to keep these traumas and emotions bottled up. Uh, we successfully and easily sort of dissociate them away into the subconscious and, and store them there for later processing, or maybe even not, maybe that's not even intention at the moment, but you know, just push it away. And then we don't come back to it. And for me, at least only then when I started looking at, at some of these uh, emotions, started to process them, deal with them and, and so on. Afterwards, I felt a huge lightness back in my body and i realized like oh my god like this stuff keeping that at bay is a 24 7 job for the subconscious and um, is actually taking a lot of mental capacity a lot of awareness um away from uh, from yourself that, that you don't have as a resource anymore and then after that obviously you know you're lighter you have more awareness uh more awareness as a currency to to deal with uh, in in everyday things, so I think that's a that's on the one side a cool promise, a, a cool thing to have, and on the other side, if you don't deal with it, you know, you can have many side effects. Um, 
I don't know. And and, and I think that m- many people experience these side effects, but they, they cannot really point them down or, or really uh, express them correctly. And I think often people would then express them as fatigue, brain fog, you know, these like very common symptoms that, that many people report, I think can often be attributed to you know, your mind just needing to push down all of that stuff that you just need to release, but you don't want to, you have aversion to. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's very draining kind of maintaining this fortification, you know, the psychic fortification within ourselves against all of these things that that we'd rather not experience. And yeah, I've, I've found the, the same in, in my own practices that it, it can really lighten you up it can release it can offer so much and a lot of the ways like on on uh you know i'm not quite sure what i want to say here i guess on on the practical level it's kind of releasing tension in the body right like if we were to say from a physical perspective what exactly is going on like say with these emotions say emotions or energy that are moving through you right and and when you don't allow it to move through you right i think i think we're all kind of familiar to some degree like how to resist an emotion you, you kind of tense up there's some tension in your body and in a way that tension is kind of preventing it from just totally moving that that is kind of the mechanism that that we're working with here just in general is that you know, an emotion can move through you in the way that we can resist it is is through tension, and that tension can become habitual, right? And it requires a certain amount of energy to to maintain that tension. And so, when we're kind of going the opposite direction through these therapies, we're we're releasing those tensions, and and things are going to move. Emotions are going to move. You're going to feel emotions. There can be sensations that come along with them that that might be you know a little off putting or you know various different ways that you could relate to it. But but really the the key here is that we're it's an undoing I guess really is is what I'm getting at it's kind of a, a release of of tension and that's that's where some of this kind of uh, pent up energy that that we get that you know makes us feel lighter afterwards that's kind of where it comes from from my understanding right that's one one way to look at it we could say that what is happening is basically a relaxation even though it sounds very simplistic but you know. On a complex level, that is the result at the end. It is a relaxed muscle or, or a relaxed body. Um, I also want to get into some other modalities. So I'm going to um, hop over to talking a little bit about neo-emotional release. And I, I think it's kind of related exactly to this notion of tension, of, of tension being the, the problem. Now, this is something I experienced a couple years back, and it is somewhat related to somatic experiencing, but coming from a, from a bit of a different angle. Um, it was developed by uh, David Manning, um, who started out as a massage therapist. And um, while learning massage therapy, uh, had these experiences often that people would have emotional reactions sometimes during massages. And these kind of um, discharges or emotional releases would happen kind of spontaneously uh, while he was like intensely massaging fascia or deep tissue. And he started exploring this uh, more and more and which eventually led to this thing which which he calls neo-emotional release and which he created nowadays a whole institute of and there's events across the world with like hundreds of people and there's a training to actually learn this, to, to become a facilitator of this. But the idea would uh, would be that this is kind of a one-one modality where you have one, let's say, therapist or massagist, if if, if you want so. Um, but basically, uh, the therapist starts touching your body and trying to locate the point in your body um, where you have this tension. And interestingly enough, your body kind of tries to protect the points in your body where you have tension, effectively exactly giving away the places, right? So even if I, um, if you have a point that's really stiff in your neck, which is storing actually some some emotions, you know, as soon as it start touching your back, you know, your, your shoulders are going to like close in on that point, which, you know, trying to sort of protect, because this is in a way your most vulnerable place, 
or that place where you don't want to go with your awareness because you know this is exactly what we talked about your awareness is trying to shield from you um so in that sense it's actually quite easy to to locate this point and uh what he figured out is that if you locate the exact point in your body of the trauma and you well essentially just press down on it with an intensity seven out of ten right if if ten would be like the most painful level you you can push in you just go to a seven you hold there on that level just hold it steadily and what happens is like shit starts unfolding <laughs> people start like crying uh, having emotions uh, uh, images appearing in their head going perhaps back to these traumatic events uh, or having uh, some visual representation of, of what happened to them and then just by um, holding these points and also kind of holding the space for the people, you know, creating the safe environment where it's okay to uh, experience the emotions and so on, just being there with them, experiencing, and in that sense, kind of co-regulating with them, um, you know, this process, the same process that happens in somatic experiencing unfolds. And then they go to a different point in the body. And then in one session, which can last, I don't know, maybe multiple hours, um, you, you work through like a lot of points in your body and you essentially went through the process and the result is, is kind of um, the same as in um, as with, with somatic experiencing and, and something like for me personally, it was so cool to experience that also to facilitate that for, for other people. And uh, this is one of the modalities that I can really recommend people to check out. Very cool. I, I hadn't heard of that one before, so I was reading up on it a little bit and it sounds, yeah, it sounds really powerful. It sounds, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, you know, another one that, that comes to mind that, that you hit on already is the, the trauma release exercises or, or tremoring, right, TRE, I think it also goes by. And basically the approach with this one is you kind of, uh, you, you, you first try to exhaust you know, certain muscles. So you do like a wall sit, for example, for uh, until you start shaking, until your legs start shaking a little bit, uh, which for some people can take a very long time. For other people, it can be pretty, pretty quick, right? And then you just lay down. And generally, one of the other ways you kind of start the shaking is you'll uh, lay down with your, your knees bent and, and facing upward. And then you kind of spread your knees apart very, very slowly, or you start with them open and, and you bring them together very, very slowly. And that, that will generally start to start the trimming, start a little bit of shaking to go through. And the idea is is basically very similar to, you know, this idea that that animals kind of can release pent up energy, pent up trauma that's stored in the body by by shaking, right? Like this is a, a mechanism that, you know, mammals, I suppose, have, right? And so from from what I've I've practiced it a little bit. Uh, on on my own, and it's kind of evolved over time. Interestingly, um, and and from what I've read, folks that'll do it for you know, uh, it seems like it takes takes many years of, of doing this fairly regularly to to really reach that end goal of being fairly trauma free and and just really kind of liberated and have all that extra energy. But it it seems like a very effective modality from from what I've read of other people experiencing it from my own experiences. I've when I was doing it, uh, a lot of interesting emotional stuff would come up. Uh, it definitely dis disrupted my sleep for some time. Of course, with anything kind of like the idea of titration, you want to approach it fairly slowly, um, you know, and, and make sure that you're staying regulated throughout. Otherwise, you're kind of uh, entering a counterproductive area, right? So that's a little bit of my experience with that one. Have you ever uh, encountered TRE much? I tried those a couple of times. Um... For me, it was not very uh, accessible in the sense that I, I did it a couple of times just by myself without a practitioner. And I was still at that stage where I'm kind of uh, forcing the, the movements. And what should happen there, as I understand, is you, you, you start maybe by, by forcing or doing these exercises that you describe. And then again, something autonomic happens in your body and takes over. And then the shaking is kind of effortless in that sense it's just like your body shaking out wherever there is any kind of resistance or stiffness or tension or anything like that i only had one experience uh where it worked actually as they described it and i i think it was when when i was using also cannabis um not not recommending 
anybody to do it. But that was for me the only possibility to get on that somatic layer. And then it really happened uh, autonomic. And I think I did it maybe 45 minutes and it felt great. Afterwards, I felt so relaxed. Um, and I really, I think I got what it's about in that moment. However, doing it afterwards again, again, I didn't have access um, to it sober, if you, if you want so. But I, I think I, I see the potential and I'd love to get deeper into it. But perhaps it takes, at least for me, uh, a bit more practice. I think it depends a bit on how well you're connected with your body. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Again, it's kind of this undoing. It's kind of this letting go. And initially, for sure, when, when I started as well, there's this sense of like, oh, am I forcing this shaking to happen? You know, initially, you really feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. You know, if I, if I stop putting my focus on it, it's, it's going to stop moving, right? And then you start getting into this area where you're like, okay, am I actually making this shaking happen? Or is it kind of happening on its own? eventually you get you can get to the point where it it really is just happening on its own and a lot of times the, the way that you first recognize that is like there's no way i would have intentionally made that movement or something your body's doing something really crazy twisting crazy ways um and like yourself i also found that that cannabis is um a very good very good sort of edge event a good way of accelerating this process and i think that's because <clears throat> i think that's because cannabis really helps you get more into your body out of your head just in general um you know you might say it has a bit more of like a feminine energy to it uh, and yeah since our cannabis episode actually I've, I've been practicing that you know using cannabis a little bit with with the tre and it's it's really evolved for me in interesting ways like it, it changed from from shaking to having like these these waves of sort of undulation move through my body, it's really loosened up my spine in in a lot of very interesting ways. It had started to loosen up my hips and it's kind of radiating out from my center. And uh, yeah, it's kind of been very complementary to my my martial arts practices. It's really kind of opened up a, a new awareness of of how to move things through my. Uh, weird way to put it how to move my body in, in like very meaningful and, and useful ways from like a martial arts perspective and getting into tai chi and, and qigong it's also been yeah it's, it's really loosening up my body making it move in in ways i didn't really yet know that it could move which cool cool stuff mm -hmm. what is interesting is with at least with the i think all the modalities that we listed today there's this notion of the body doing the work and us getting out of the way in in some sense and exactly like you described this is exactly what is happening with tre you're you're laying there and you can kind of observe the switch from okay i'm doing this to okay my body is doing this and suddenly with the emotional release it's uh it's also happening and then pe people have these things which you would maybe call in yoga kriyas like involuntary movements and then you know it looks almost creepy i think if you if you're not introduced to the idea at all and you come in somewhere doing where people are doing like theory you know you would think okay there's exorcisms happening here like <laughs> what the fuck is you know people are like rolling around on the on the floor and just trying to get out of the way of their body doing whatever it needs to do um yeah and, and it's interesting that 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 all these things kind of you know tied together and at the end of the day it also with somatic experiencing you know it's it's just be there and be aware of whatever is in your body that's it like you don't need to do anything at the end of the day it's it's very easy though very difficult for us to to be just present and do nothing right and and give away control in in some sense yeah yeah i, I think in a lot of ways that's because we don't realize all the ways that we are kind of like resisting and controlling so un undoing and, and not doing in those situations is is almost like the farthest thing that that we're capable of, just because like we don't we don't even have a grasp, you know, interesting way to put it. We don't even really have a grasp on how we're grasping. We don't even really have a sense of how we're holding and, and resisting all of these things. And you know, so so bring more aware awareness to it through different somatic modalities can start to give you more control over the ways that you're unconsciously controlling in a sense and you can start to, to release that it's like a you know i like to use analogies with with how we experience this in the body it, it's like having tension in a certain muscle and you just you can't even feel into it to to let it release 
right? I mean, it's become so tense, so, you know, uncomfortable. It's been removed from your awareness, essentially. And as you bring it back into your awareness, it's very uncomfortable as it comes in, right? That's why you pushed it out in the first place. But once you're able to kind of just be with it, then you can be like, okay, actually, I can, I can let this go. I can feel into this and I can let this tension go. I, I have the ability to control it now. So yeah, very, very good stuff. Very interesting. And around the somatic experiencing, a lot of times what you're doing, so this comes from Peter Levine's uh, newest book. I can't, I can't think of the title off the top of my head. But in it, he describes the situation where he was, you know, he was hit by a car and the ambulance comes and they're taking him. And while he's in the ambulance riding, he's actually allowing his body to make some movements that it, it hadn't been able to complete. So for example, that was like putting his arm up to brace himself for, for the impact, right? His body wasn't able to make that movement. And so it's kind of stuck. There's some energy stuck trying to make that movement. And if he allows the body to do that, kind of just witnesses it, like you were saying, it might look a little bit like an exorcism or something, um, but it, it releases that energy. And, and actually, at least in the particular anecdote he told, he was able to walk away you know, with, with really no no trauma, right? It, and that's kind of where trauma comes from it's, and not allowing the body to, to play out those, um, the course of action that it was trying to play out in a way. Yeah, and what, what can help here is maybe if we stop looking at trauma as a problem, right? Because, I mean, it, traumatic events do introduce problems in, in our life, but in a sense, trauma is the solution. So you were really in a situation which is has been life-threatening or at least psychologically threatening for you, overwhelming. And this mechanism that we have built in, you know, it's kind of a safety switch which just pushes some experiencing out of our awareness at the moment for the sake of psychological survival. Um, so, you know, everything is fine. Your body works perfectly. Your body has these mechanisms. You survived. In that sense, all we have to do is kind of deal with the aftermath and um, finish the experiencing in any of the ways that, that we described today. And perhaps interesting to mention here from my experience, there's other like physical activities can in some sense be like microdosing these modalities or they are also useful for maintaining you know a regulated nervous system and what i mean is like just really common stuff like yoga we mentioned tai chi ecstatic dancing even passive stuff like getting massages these things uh, if we do them on a regular uh, basis it, it i have the feeling that you know they are pushing the same buttons like somatic experiencing but perhaps, you know, with less intensity and we don't have to go back necessarily back to trauma. But, um, for example, a yoga session can do to the stresses you experience during the day, something similar like somatic experiencing would do to the traumas that are more deeper um, and perhaps more years back. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find that they are somehow related. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I find the same. Uh, so I'd, I'd throw in there also this this other modality called, I think, nonlinear movement method, which, you know, all of these things are so very, very similar in a lot of ways, fundamentally. So nonlinear movement method is basically like just allowing your body to move. Kind of the instruction is you're, you're listening to some, some instrumental music that, you know, has various beats and you're just allowing your body to move. And the one rule is like, just keep moving. Right. And very similar, you, you find yourself kind of moving through interesting postures, interesting positions, you know, it could be seen very similar to like yoga or something, your body kind of un unwinding, kind of you know, even just stretching and stuff. Right. Um, I found actually after I did some nonlinear movement method that it, it changed the way that my TRE was was happening. Right. It, it kind of connected different parts of my body. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think a lot of these can be very valuable, like static dance, basically just allowing your body to move however it's gonna move, maybe, you know, in, in response or being motivated by, uh, you know, music, uh, just a really good, good overall modality. And you don't necessarily have, like you were saying, you don't necessarily have to get into the thick of, of the mental aspects of the trauma. 
in order to work it out, which is one of the great things about somatic experiencing modalities is you don't necessarily like have to relive the event necessarily, right? I mean, it might happen in the course of, of releasing things, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, which is kind of a contrast to, to like psychotherapy where you kind of really do try and almost, almost relive and reprocess things. This is really more bodily focused and reprocessing what was happening, you know, on the body, which, which might not necessarily look the same as the story. And I guess actually on, on that note, I'd also say that a lot of times the way that these things unfold, it, it doesn't look like what you'd expect it to look like oftentimes. So for example, like experiencing a certain emotion that you're really afraid to experience, once you actually go through it and, and feel it, a lot of times it doesn't feel like what you were expecting. It's not as bad as what you were expecting, right? Really the bad again is kind of comes in with that resistance. And the more that you resist, the more unpleasant can be just in general yeah i'm gonna repeat myself here uh, with something i said in the previous episode um where we talked about emotions so there has been studies done about uh, emotional experiencing and they um measured how long does an emotion take in an emotionally fluid nervous system right if, if there would be no attachment and no blockages and it actually on like each feeling only takes nervous system to be uh, it takes 90 seconds to fully tra travel through a nervous system and to be fully experienced in your awareness and after 90 seconds any feeling subsides unless you know we 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 stop it deny it suppress it and so on but just to think about it however difficult the uh the feeling is that you're trying not to experience it will at worst only last 90 seconds and i think you know knowing that maybe we are more willing to go through a negative experience and on top of that like you said usually it's actually less bad than than we anticipated like that's also my learning so yeah i encourage everybody to start exploring uh, their emotions and emotional traumas it's it's very rewarding yeah ab absolutely I, i'd say it's by far you know of the, the decade plus that I've practiced various different things, uh, working with my emotions, becoming more familiar with them, working with somatic type therapies, um, surrender has been by far the most effective things that I've done. I mean, I've spent a lot of time meditating and hasn't always really moved the needle. These things, you know, they, they pair very well with all of the other practices and tools that we've talked about, you know, meditation, certainly. Uh, meditation really helps you hone your ability to be aware and and kind of just relate to things with with equanimity right so very valuable i mean all of these things fit together so well it's one of the reasons that i'm so compelled to just like explore and and learn about all of these different modalities and, and kind of connect the different insights and, and just build my own practice of is putting together what works best for me um yeah it's a really exciting journey just in in general yeah, and I'm grateful for people like Peter Levine who are yeah. mainstreaming the, these kind of things and they're finding acceptance in, in psychotherapy. These are not alternative modalities anymore. This is not underground stuff you have to go through with random people from the internet. You can find psychotherapists, you know, where you feel very safe. Um, all in all, really cool developments. Uh, I'd agree. Um, do you think we, we covered most of the tenants we wanted to go on or anything else still open for you? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I might uh, wrap it up just with, with this idea, again, kind of revisiting that within our experience, um, one way to look at it is there's kind of three layers of experience. There's what we're most familiar with, kind of the, the mental, what we're kind of stuck with most of the time. Then there's our emotional experience, which I don't know about you, but for the longest time, I fairly convinced I did not have an emotional experience. It was really a matter of lack of awareness. And then there's kind of the, the somatic, the physical, the sensory experience that we're going through. And all of these different layers are kind of constantly uh, informing and being informed by the other layers. And so something like a somatic therapy can be a really powerful way to, to work with one of those layers. And, and I'd say, you know, attack the problems from both ends. It pairs really well with psychotherapy. You know, there are psychotherapies that, that specifically use it and, and actually things that were in the past a little bit more 
mental heavy, for example, like cognitive behavioral therapy, they're starting to integrate more and more somatic type approaches in, in terms of say like grounding and, and stuff. And so it's, it's becoming more mainstream because it's so effective, right? And, and sort of the, the intersection between all of these therapies and the intersection of all the insights that they bring, I, I think, you know, I'm really excited to see how things evolve. And that's, that's one of the reasons why there are so many different modalities is because they've all kind of evolved through different um, groupings of insights, you could say. And there's, there's a lot of value just in exploring them and, and seeing what works best for you and, you know, modifying what doesn't quite work for you. Yeah, there's also uh, EMDR, um, which is the, the psychotherapy rapid eye movement, which then again would be like the intersection exactly, like you say, between the body and the more classical approaches, uh, even though like that's another tangent we, we, we could go on. And I think it's, it's also interesting. But um, yeah, I, I think what is definitely safe to say is we are experiencing emotions pretty much 24-7, at least as long as we are like awake, there are uh, emotions. And if you don't have a good relationship with your emotions, bad news, but it's probably a good idea to, you know, that might be an area of your life where you want to work on. But on a positive note, once you become more proficient and fluid with your emotions, you gain lots more re resilience. And um, yeah, that, that, that that's a really nice experience to learn to deal with your emotions and the process becoming more resilient, having more freedom to do things that also involve negative emotions. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that brings to mind one, one last little thing, uh, a quote another Joe Hudson one, from one of his podcast episodes. Um, and, and I think this really underscores so much of the, the why you should do this, why you might want to, to move in this direction. And so he, he said something along the lines, paraphrasing it here, of it, it's not the positive emotions that will get you where you want to go, but rather it is not avoiding the negative emotions that will get you where you want to go. Beautifully said. And I think that's a good note to end on. So thanks for listening until this far and talk to you next week.